does miracles, that he still forgives, that he still heals, he still sets the captives free. Come on, if you feel like you're weighed down today, let's just give him glory for a moment because of who he is, who he has been, and who he wants to be in our future. What a great God. It's good to see you, church. Be good. How good is it? Baptism Sunday. Come on. Would you join me, church family up north, as we welcome those online, and particularly the men at Lansing Correctional. We love you guys so much. Come on, let's give it up for our church that's meeting right now at Lansing. So good. Everybody good? Good. You guys can grab your seats. As, uh, we're going to do some deep diving today as we continue week three of our Upper Room series. It's a, uh, a little season of sermons where we're just digging into the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it look like in our life? And my heart as a pastor, and Liz and I were really believing like that this church, that we would just be hungry for more of the presence of God. And we would do it the way that we see it done in the Bible. Not the way that maybe we've seen demonstrated by others around us, or maybe we grew up hearing about. Because when it comes to the Holy Spirit, uh, there's a lack of information. In fact, even today, especially today, if you're a guest today, uh, you came on a very uh, different Sunday. We're going to talk about some stuff that most churches do not address. But I believe because there's some lack of information and some misinformation, we got to go back to the scriptures, to what God has said to us. In fact, even in the Bible, in fact, even when it's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says, hey, don't argue about this stuff. Uh, don't get into foolish arguments. I know you might not believe this, but Christians don't believe the same thing all the time. I know, it's, it's crazy. But this is what the Bible says, and I'll share with you what I believe. And I want you to be the maturing believer yourself, to be able to perceive with both the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and what it means for your life. Is it cool if I just treat you like a grown person today? Is that cool? Last week, um, we talked about, in fact, if you haven't been here for the first two weeks, how many of you have been there one or two of the last two weeks? There's five of you back in church. That's great. That's great. But if you haven't, uh, I would highly encourage you to go on our website, kingdom.city, and uh, watch the messages uh, because they just build on each other. Week one, I talked about we need a spirit restart. Let's just get a clean slate. And week two, I talked about living in the stretch. That maybe you didn't grow up around this, or maybe you're new to faith, or maybe you've uh, heard some things taught that are contrary to what the Word of God says. And like, let's just be living in that in that stretch. And, and we're going to continue that. In fact, last week I talked about there's those that believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased uh, when the, with the death of the apostles, that God didn't work that way. And those that believe that they continue, we, we would be the latter. We believe that God still heals and God still gives His Spirit and even giftings of the Spirit to those that are alive and well. It still happens and continues to this day. And I want for all of us, this would be our simple declaration when it comes to everything in God's Word that you would say this, if it is of God, if it's of God, then it's for us. That if it's of God, then I would desire it, that I would be hungry for it, that I would go after, after it. Because I do believe miracles still happen today. God gives his spirit to those that are thirsty. Those that are hungry will be satisfied. Now there's some tensions that, that still exist today. In fact, they've been existing for 2,000 years ago. We'll see in the writings of the apostles, like, hey, he had to navigate some stuff when it came to the Holy Spirit in the local church. And so these tensions are there, a couple reasons. One, uh, weird people do weird stuff and blame it on the Holy Spirit. Like, they are weird without the Holy Spirit, and they just blame the Holy Spirit for, for their weirdness. But here's a big one. 
that people can have gifting of the Holy Spirit and not, not character, not wholeness, or you can say not the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. Why does God work that way? I don't fully know. In fact, even my own journey, there was a season where I was kind of shut off to the things of the Holy Spirit because of what I had seen around me that people could prophesy and people could pray in tongues and people had like belief for miracles, but then they were a mess and they were just sometimes even mean. And so I had to unpack that. And what I used as my source was not what someone else was teaching. I used what the scripture said. We always talk about here at Kingdom City that the word of God is our way. This is the way we're going. And the Holy Spirit is our guide. That they work, they work together. I'll jump in the message in just a moment, but um, you ever go to a nice restaurant and they give you the specials for the day? How many love to hear the specials? Come on, I love to hear the specials. I'm a special guy. I love the specials. Now here's the deal. I have no intent of ordering anything they say because I'm also a very basic Betty when it comes to what I order. I'm sticking to the basics, but I like to hear. I like the more colorful demonstration that they give, the more I say, Dan, that sounds amazing. And I'll have this thing that you did not talk about. I love it when they go on and on. Oh, there's a, a cream-based reduction. Oh, there's a twist of lemon. It's garnished. Oh, tell me how it's garnished. Oh, cilantro. Muy bien. I love to hear it. But what's a special? A special is something that the chef has curated and designed just for that day. It's a meal just for, for that day. Now, I grew up in Southern California much of my life, and uh, you might have your favorite burger place, but let me just speak the truth to you. It's called In-N-Out Burger. Thank you. God's doing a work. God's doing a work. And I like In-N-Out's menu because there's just not a lot on it. You got a burger. You got a burger con queso. Let me translate that. It's a cheeseburger. And then you've got more of the same. You've got two patties and two cheese. You've got a double-double. They're very creative at In-N-Out, and they throw in fries. That's all that's on the menu, just a couple of things. But years ago, I learned that there's a secret menu. There's a hidden menu. There's, for those that know, the special code to get something different. And I don't even like the thing on the secret menu, but I order it anyway because I just feel elite. Let me tell you, when it comes to the things of God, there is not a secret menu for the elite. It's just the scripture. And if you could just take it as God says it, there's not a daily special either that ended 2,000 years ago. He's still doing it today. And if you could just take the scripture, just the teachings of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, if we can just stay with what I would consider three very reliable sources, probably the first one the most, right? Then you will know all that you need to know about how to receive, how to walk in and walk with the Holy Spirit in your life. I wanna to speak today from the thought of there's more on the menu. There is more, believer, on the menu in your life. Some things that God has designed for you to order and desire and to walk in and to see in your life. Can we pray? Come on, those online, Lansing, all the people in the room, let's pray. Let's pray with a humble heart to receive from God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for those awesome people that we get to celebrate new birth, baptism, resurrection life with today. 
God, I thank you that we would be raised to new life in every area of our life. Holy Spirit, we invite you in to speak like you always do, cohesively with your word, and let it align our life and our expectation to desire what you've designed for us. We want more, more of your presence and more of your power and more of your peace and more of your fruit in all of our lives. Lord, we pray over the draft picks of the chiefs. They are healthy, strong, and courageous, and we will win another championship in Jesus' name. You thought I just prayed during the season? You don't know this faith. Pray without ceasing on the chiefs, okay? So as you read the New Testament, you, can ha- you can't help but discover multiple passages over and over again that encourage a spirit-filled, a spirit-led, a spirit-powered life and church. It's everywhere. In fact, you, you cannot read the, the, the New Testament as something just historical only. You have to realize that this is the way that God started this new covenant with this new opportunity for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not just for the faithful few, but on all flesh, that it was for every single one. In fact, if you just look at the very first message that Jesus gives, when Jesus is starting his public ministry, according to our knowledge from the canonization of the scripture, the first thing that Jesus says is he rocks up to the synagogue that day to the local church gathering on that Saturday, and he doesn't even have anything prepared. He just grabs a scroll. Now, he knows what's in the scroll. He was the word that became flesh, that by him and through him all things were created. He knows the word. He is the word. But he decides to let him know, like, hey, let me read something to you that's a prophecy from from the prophet Isaiah. And he reads this, and we see it in Luke's account of Luke chapter 4. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. I want to pause there for a moment and just say, the very first thing that Jesus is focused on, fulfilling the prophecy, is that God's Spirit gives him the ability to preach the gospel. Like, he's going to preach the word. He's going to share the message that matters the most and minister to those who need it the most. I've come with the good news. It is about the gospel. In fact, if you look at the end of Jesus' walk on the earth, Acts chapter 1, he says, wait in Jerusalem. Because if you wait here, I'm going to send the gift. The Father's going to send the gift that we promised that you've heard me talk about. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit and power. And the first thing he says, you're going to have that power to be what? To be super spiritual? No. You have that power to be bold witnesses. God's first concern is for all of humanity to know that he loved them so much that he gave a son. A perfect son to take the place for our imperfect selves so we could forever know the love of God, receive the grace of God, and become children of God to live forever with God. That's the gospel. And Jesus says the same thing. He's like, let me tell you what my ministry is about. It's about the gospel. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me, he goes on to say, to proclaim freedom for prisoners. Recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor starts now. And he says, everything you just heard is being fulfilled before you this day. And he rolls up the scroll again and does the ancient equivalent of a modern-day mic drop and says, how do you like that? This is what's happening now. I'm anointed. I'm empowered with the Holy Spirit to preach I'm going to set captives free. The addicts are going to recover. The blind are going to see. And God's favor is going to fall on the earth in a special, a special way. Jesus was empowered with the Holy Spirit. 
and so are we. We have that same spirit. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of each and every one of us. But how much of it do you want? I ended my sermon last week with just a simple desire for you to say more. That if you would want more, you would get more. And if there's more on the menu, then you would know by the word of God how to ask for it, receive it, and walk in in your life. Now flash forward from that time to Acts chapter 10. We know in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. The church radically grew supernaturally. Those that were baptized in water were also baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in one few, in a few moments one morning, 120 faithful followers of Jesus became 3,000 plus. It's amazing, amazing story. But if you go on a little bit later, the, we'll see that the infilling empowerment of the Holy Spirit was for the Jewish believers. But Acts chapter 10, that begins to change. That um, Peter is up on a rooftop and he's been fasting and praying and God gives him this vision. And God says to him, hey, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. And then Peter wakes up and there's two guys there and says, hey, our master has invited you to come to his house. And he breaks a bunch of taboos because here's a Jewish spiritual leader going into the, the home of a Gentile. Now, this man's name was Cornelius. He was no ordinary man. He was a, 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 a Roman leader in the military, but he's this godly man. He cared about God's people. He wanted to know the one true God. He was generous towards uh, the Jewish people. He was kind. He was caring. He was very un-Roman-like because he was different. And so Peter, we see, begins to just preach to him. The message of Jesus. Let's look at it in verse 38 of Acts chapter 10. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with what? Power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the enemy, for God was with them. And right when Peter is preaching, they believe. And then the signs of the Holy Spirit start to happen right then and there. They begin to pray in other tongues. And Peter's like, what in the world is happening? Like, I was just preaching the message, but the Holy Spirit brought a special ministry moment. And Peter's got this conflict because, like, this was for the Jews, but now this is for, oh, I remember what I said in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 3 when I proclaimed what the prophet Joel declared, that I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. That this is for, this is for everyone. And the same spirit that was on Peter. It's the same spirit that was in Jesus. And it's the same anointing that's for those that follow Jesus today. There is more on the menu for your life. Jesus said, you gotta wait, right? Wait for the one that I promised you. He said that to the 120 that actually obeyed and went to the upper room and 10 days fasted and prayed before the outflowing, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But he says, wait, why? There's more for you. Jesus sounds a little bit like a guy in an infomercial right there. Wait, there's more. You just have to pay separate shipping and handling, right? You always get duped into that one. But there is, no, there is no price. You don't have to pay a price for the Holy Spirit. But there is a cost. The cost is humility. And sadly, for generations, there's been people and church movements that have not been willing just to walk, like I talked about last week, in the stretch of like, could there be more gifting and more empowerment? If that was on Jesus and it flowed through Peter, and went to the Gentiles. Could that be at work in my life today? There is more of God, not just for super spiritual moments, listen, for your daily 
life. And I want to challenge you, do not harden your heart when you hear a word or something in a passage of scripture that seems weird. You don't have to turn off your mind when you want to walk and discover a connectivity with the Holy Spirit. You actually have to turn up your word and your humility. And when you do that, you will see again, just the teachings of Jesus, Peter, and Paul, that you will say, oh, there's something more that I might be missing in my life, in my life mission, and even my ministry. Because Jesus wasn't like, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to look awesome and to do all these signs at work so I'd get a bunch of followers and a bunch of clout. He says, no, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to help people. It's helped to bring the gospel to people, to set the captives free, to bring healing and restoration to those in brokenness and bondage. And so what do we do with these gifts of, of the Spirit? And again, I'm gonna dive into two of the big ones, the most controversial ones. I could start going in the shallow end, but I just figure let's just jump in today. And if you're taking notes on your phone, I'm assuming that you're jotting down notes and not searching for new churches, but if you are, <laughs> If you are, I'll help you find a good one. <laughs> and this is why I came up here. If I take this off, I look like I'm at the Cheesecake Factory because there's more on the menu for you. That's a big menu, by the way. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, let's just stop there. You're going to need to read it yourself. I'm not going to get through it all. I think it's four Sundays just to go through it all. Paul is talking about what do these gifts look like of the Holy Spirit in our church? in our gathering space. What does this look like? And I do not have the time uh, to get into all of it, and I'll dig in probably more later, but this is why you have on your seat a card any question that you have. You can write down, and you can hand it in, and I will get through every question until we get this thing covered completely, because this is my heart, this is Liz's heart for you as a church. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, this is how he starts. I love this, I love this. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 is that love chapter. We ended it last week. It starts actually talking about the Holy Spirit. And verse 14, he says, let love, comes back to that theme, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. Why was Jesus anointed? Oh, God's love for people, the gospel. Where does it all start through? Love. Self-proclaimed spiritual giants? No, 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 no. This is about love. If you have a goal, let the goal be that you would love God and that you would love people. Not that you'd get some sort of gift of prophecy to look like you're awesome. God is not into that. God's into love building and love changing the world around us. But he says, but you should also desire the, the special abilities, special giftings that the Spirit gives. Paul says especially the ability to prophesy, to proclaim something that God wants to do or that God is going to do. Goes on to say, especially as that prophecy builds the church. In other words, it's not about building a platform for yourself. It's about building up other people. And these special badges, or, or sorry, these special abilities are not badges of spiritual maturity. It's not like, oh, I got the Holy Spirit and gifting in my life. I am an elite SEAL Team 6 Special Forces, and everyone else that doesn't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're just private first class. Gomer Pyle for the boomers in the room. I got you too. Like, this is like, they're nobodies and I'm somebody. It doesn't work that way. But I would say, like, you have the Holy Spirit. You would not be a believer apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. But the Bible teaches us that there's a special encounter and filling and outpouring of those that are ready for it, those that desire it, those that go after it. It's not based on their spiritual maturity. 
I think it's based on hunger, but we love the spiritual maturity because if love builds up, that we do everything in love to match the, the connectivity to the Holy Spirit. So like, do you need the gifts of the Spirit to go to heaven? I'm like, I think you need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, but, <laughs> but you don't. But there's more on the menu. What's on the menu? And I say these things together because they're of equal importance to me as a pastor. There's more power for me and more fruitfulness in me. Which one do we want, fruit or power? Both. Which one do we desire? All of it. It's all on the menu. And if we do not have the fruit to match, if you will, the fire, then we will not be very useful to God for very long. There's an Old Testament story about that in, in the anointing or pointing of Saul as king over Israel that Samuel, like God gives him instructions of how to find him and what to do. And he gives instructions to Saul about what he's supposed to do next. And he says this in 1 Samuel 10, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy, Saul. You're gonna have a special encounter with the presence of God and you're gonna prophesy. And he says, you're gonna be turned into another man. It's gonna change you. Because before this, Saul was just tall. He says he's head and shoulders above. But there's like a leadership gift that is unlocked in his life, he has changed as he gets this spirit of counter. Verse nine, it says God was gonna give him another heart. He's gonna have a softness of heart. He's gonna have a heart change. But what we know about Saul, although he is gifted and appointed, he, he gets in his own way. He's self-centered. He allows ego to get involved. That spirit of humility that obeyed the prophet, later on he disobeys the prophet. And so he didn't have the humility to maintain the gifting and authority that God placed on him. So God had to bring another king, a man after God's own heart, a little shepherd boy who was not perfect. But God said, this is the one that I desire. And through him and his spirit of humility and his connectivity to me, I'm going to bring a lineage through him that's going to bring the Messiah as well. Saul did not have the fruit to sustain the fire because there's power and there's produce. There's fire and there's fruit, and we want both. And we want both. I mean, part of the reason why I took a season of my young life as a believer, coming back to Jesus, and didn't want anything to do with prophecy, I didn't want anything to do with tongues, is because I saw it done and demonstrated in public and behind the scenes, I saw all sorts of junk. And now I've matured to the point to realize we all got problems, and we all got issues. But I couldn't connect like a pureness of God with the pollution of bad character. And so for us as a church, we're not picking one or the other. We know there's more on the menu from both sides. We want it all. So what's the fruit of the Spirit? We know this. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is on the menu. Love is on the menu. Joy is on the menu. Peace is on the menu. Patience Patience is on the menu. That's not my favorite one, especially the New King James. It's called long suffering. I like light suffering. But patience is on the menu. The ability to keep going when you can't. Kindness is on the menu. Goodness is on the menu. Faithfulness and gentleness and self-control is on the menu. And if it's on the menu, we want to order it all. I've said it before, but the Holy Spirit is like a dove. He is not a dove. And a dove has two wings. I know this is deep theological truth here. And I think that that's the way the Holy Spirit works, that we have the gifts of the Spirit and we have the fruit of the Spirit, and one without the other, it cannot fly. 
It will not go to its highest of heights and will not fulfill its purpose. In the same way as a believer, do not allow your fire to outpace your fruit. And don't be just so fighting for fruit that you never have any fire or passion. Now let's talk about prophecy. Prophecy is beautiful. Prophecy is powerful. Prophecy can be life-changing, and prophecy can also be chaotic. It can be. I mean, as a pastor's kid, I grew up in that kind of church movement, and I always got called out in every, like, prophet service. I think it's because I was the pastor's kid, and I also have flaming red hair. I'm really easy to spot even in the midst of the lights. And then sometimes they would give me one that was, like, so random or so generic. And so I was like, okay, what do I do with that? Like, God is for you. And I'd be like, yeah, God's for everybody, little cynical ginger. Like, you're gonna do great things. Like, awesome, that's, I receive. But like, what do you do with it? And I think there's it for us, and we could dig into the New Testament passages and find out, like, what does this really mean? Like, prophecy, do we really want that? I, I tell you, we want it. We wanna know what God is wanting to do next. We don't make our decisions off prophecy, I'll get to that in a moment. But it confirms something we've been desiring, something we've been questioning, something we've been wrestling with. And God could speak to someone, and even someone who is imperfect, and they could speak something that could unlock that next step that you are called to take in your life, or put at peace the wrestle or the enigma that's been in your mind. That's the beauty of prophecy. Now, years ago, years ago in our church, we were a young church, and um, we had this guy who definitely had the gift of prophecy on his life. I mean, the dude was like, he was legit in tune with the Spirit of God most of the time. And we were a young church filled with young people, filled with like totally new to faith, or even just trying to figure out who Jesus is. Like, it wasn't uncommon on the plaza for like people to like come straight from the Westport clubs and into church. That was not uncommon, and some of those people were our key team. You know who you are, and God has forgiven you. But he would have a word for everyone, all the time. Brand new people to church. He would walk up, and he was a little touchy-feely, which for me, I ain't that guy. And he'd have a word, and so I just made a rule. Because even though I was like 29 at the time, this wasn't my first rodeo. And I was like, hey, if you don't know their first name and their last name, you don't have a word for them. Get to know them. Like, you could be an uncle, father voice into their life, but would you just get to know them first? Because you're kind of like, you're building a couple of people's faith, and you're making other people paranoid. Like, you're freaking them out. They're not ready for it. And so, he, I'll be honest, he's not a bad guy, but he couldn't take that. He's like, I am stifling the Holy Spirit. And, and he left. And uh, Liz and I rocked into him, walked into him one day at Target on Ward Parkway, and he was sitting there, and um, I remember he was like super sick or something, and he just said to Liz, like, you're pregnant. And I said back, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> you remember this? But here's the thing, we were like one week pregnant, and we didn't know. Here we are, Graham was born about eight months later, like, we, we really were. But the sad thing is, even though he had this gifting, he, he, he wouldn't allow it to be tempered in a healthy way. And the other side is that his life was always falling apart. His marriage, his kids, his own finances, they were always a mess. Because what? He had the power, but not the produce. 
And this is why we desire all that's on the menu. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And don't be one who scorns prophecy, but be faithful, listen, to examine them by putting them to the test. And afterward, hold tightly to what has been proven to be right. This is the way we do it in a healthy way. Do you know how I do it? If I feel like God has put something in my heart for someone, very rarely, very rarely, will I just say, God wants me to tell you this. You know, I don't, I don't do that. I wrestle with it for a moment. I'm like, is this my mind? Is this just something I might have a little insight to what's going on in the world and I feel like God wants me to encourage them? Or is this a word from God? And when I wrestle with it and I can't shake it, I'll bring it to him. And this is the way I bring it to him. I said, God has spoken that thou shalt know. <laughs> I said, hey, I just feel like God put this on my heart. Take it or leave it. This is what I feel like he wants to tell you. And I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, waterworks. Like God does it. Because we're building what? There's a, there's fruit in my life. So it's not just a fireball moment. But I, I leave it for them. And almost always, it's something they've already been wrestling with. It's something they've already been examining. So when God gives you a word through someone that you do not know, that you're called to quit your job and move to Kuala Lumpur and meet a guy that lives in a blue house, like, could that happen? Sure. 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 But you probably were wondering already, I feel like I'm called to move to Kuala Lumpur. I feel like God is saying that. And then someone out of nowhere confirms what God is already saying. Listen, churches for 2,000 years in every city and in our city have been torn apart because everyone is trying to flex on some sort of spiritual force. But we've got to have fruit as well. And so we just do everything the way the Apostle Paul says to do, which is 1 Corinthians 14. It just shows us the way to do it in a way that builds people up so we don't, like, miss something on the menu, but we don't mess up everybody's life at the same time. Everybody tracking with me? Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? To help build, reach people. It's about loving people. That's why Paul says, do it in in love. We need the gifts. Why? Because we want to look more like Jesus. We want to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We want to be the witnesses with boldness that we're called to be. We need the spirit of the living God that was on Jesus. We need it on us. But we need the character of Christ as well. So there's many things that the spirit does. There's a lot on the menu. You can read it in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. There's miraculous gifts and there's leadership gifts. There's things that are, man, that is, that is supernatural. And then there's supernatural giftings in natural places. There's leadership gifts, interpretation of tongues. There's miracles. There's healing. There's gifts of faith and discernment, of wisdom, of knowledge. There's gifts that build up team. There's gifts of evangelism, exhortation, mercy. There's gifts of giving. There's gifts of administration and so much more. And which one is the best? The one you need right now the one you're called to bring. As a spirit-filled, spirit-led believer, the greatest gift is the one you need in the moment. And so although we're talking about two of the ones today that can be the most chaotic or controversial, they are not the ones above everything else. Yes, Paul says desire prophecy as it is to building up the church, building up people. But ultimately, the gift you want to work in your life is the gift you need to take that next step that God has called for you. 
My heart for us as a church is that we could have both, the fruit and the fire, the power and the produce, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says that there was nothing physically attractive about David. Like Saul, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. But it says about, I'm sorry, about Jesus. Nothing physically attractive about Jesus. But Jesus, like, there was nothing outwardly drawing, but everyone flocked to him in droves. I mean, it says about Jesus' upbringing in Luke chapter 2 that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all the people. Stature, another word for that is maturity. That he knew, like, not only did he have the power of God, but he had the fruit of God in his life. And guess what? People followed Jesus in droves. All the right people. All the hurting people. All the poor that needed the gospel. All those that are searching for truth. All the sinners that he was friends of. And the people that had the biggest problem with him were the spiritually elite that didn't think God could work through a nobody from Nazareth. And yet God says, no, I can do my greatest work through my son. The least likely chosen by you is the one I have designed and destined to go to the cross and to save all humanity in the same way your ordinary life can become extraordinary when you start getting the bigger menu. That I'm just gonna want more of what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in my life and work, and work through my life. And so we have the word that is our way that we go and we have the Holy Spirit that is our guide. You know, they say St. Louis is the gateway to the West and they have an arch, but we all know the last place they would stop before the new frontier was Westport. Before it was just bars and vape shops, there was Westport. <laughs> and they would get the supplies they needed before they headed West into a place they'd never been before. But even the great pioneers, like think about Lewis and Clark, they needed a Sacagawea. They needed someone that knew the terrain, had relationship, uh, could translate and get them to where they were called to go. In the same way, we've got our map. This helps us have the character of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit in our life when we live by the Word of God. But we also want the whisper of the God that goes with it. We want the guide that is the Holy Spirit that wants to show you, not for anyone else, but for your destiny and the roadmap that God has designed before you were even knit in your mother's womb. He wants to take you to the place of your calling and potential and purpose, and you need more of them in your life. And some of you are trying to navigate destiny decisions without daily closeness with the presence with the presence of God. There's more on the menu. There's more power in your prayer life. Let's talk about spiritual language. I will not get through all of this today. You're going to have to come back next week. But we talked about prophecy. Let's talk about spiritual language. Let's talk about praying in tongues. Is that something that has ceased or something that's still alive today? Let me tell you my personal conviction. I will not stand up here and act like I know everything the way that God works. In fact, even the question that I answered, someone sent in one of the Holy Spirit questions to me this morning, a friend, and I took a picture of his card, and I did my best to answer it, but I said back to him, I was like, I've got some ideas, I've got some thoughts, but in that particular situation, I don't know if I have a direct answer, because his ways are higher than our ways. But this is what I believe. I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit is for everyone, and if you desire it, it's for you. And I personally have a spiritual language. This is the way I operate. This is why I refuse to build a church, although it might be more convenient and clean if I never talk about this, but I would be asking you to live a life with the Holy Spirit and fulfill your purpose and not giving you a resource that I use. And to me personally, that's hypocr hypocrisy. And if you don't feel like this is for you, 
and you don't want prophecy, and you don't want spiritual language, that is totally fine. There's always a seat at this table for you and to come to be built up in the word and to walk forward and build a beautiful marriage and a great family. I believe God will do that with you and we can do that together. But I'm letting you know this is what I believe. I believe that there's an X factor for your prayer language when heaven gets involved. Paul says it this way, I speak in the tongue of men and of angels. I, I, I got both. Paul says, let me get to my passage because I'm jumping ahead. 1 Corinthians 14, guys, if you can get to the end there. I wish you all spoke in tongues. So that means maybe not everybody does. I don't know. I think if you have a desire, if you have an openness, I believe personally it's, it's for you. Again, to 1 Corinthians 14, he unpacks, what does this look like in church? That if everyone is out clamoring in tongues in the public setting, it's not beneficial. That's what he says, read the passage for yourself. He says, if everyone is saying something and no one's interpreting it, it doesn't build up anyone, it just brings chaos. And so he says, if that's what's going on, um, if that's what's happening, then, then in verse uh, 28, no one's interpreting it. If no one's got that gift in operation, they should seek quiet in church and speak just to himself and to God. In other words, it's just your personal prayer language. He says in verse 15, what am I to do? I've got both. I, I, I can sing in the spirit and I can sing in the understanding or my mind. Words that we know. I can pray in the spirit and I can pray in my understanding or my mind as, as well. We, we, I personally I think we want both. In verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, if you praise him in the private, private language of tongues, God understands you. And you're sharing intimacies and a spirit-to-spirit connection between you and him. Romans 8, 26, again from the message paraphrase, God's right alongside helping you along. And in, my, in a couple weeks, we're gonna have a Sunday night. We have a Sunday night Holy Spirit encounter. And if you're just like, I ain't there yet, then don't come. But if you want more, we're gonna walk in it. And I'm not gonna give you a formulaic, A, B equals C. We're just gonna spend some time worshiping and praying. And Liz and I, I think we're very well capable to lead us in a way that is healthy, that is filled with life, that's filled with the word of God. And we're just gonna see what the Holy Spirit does. We're not gonna come continuing to bring down fire. No, we're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit in partnership in our life with the produce and the fruit in our life. Because if I'm honest with you, if I have to, as a pastor, if I have to pick one, I'm picking fruit. I'm picking fruit. But if there's more on the menu, I'll order it all. I want you to have it all. Are we all thoroughly weirded out or are we all still good? <laughs> Jesus says in Mark 16, these signs will follow those that believe. Starts out with cast out demons. Okay. He says they will speak in new tongues. It's a journey of faith and humility. And I'm not saying you don't have any faith if you're not contending for it. You don't have any humility if you're not receiving it. I'm not saying that at all. But I would say this, if there is more on the menu and you feel God's leading you to it, as you do the study this week that I'm asking you, because honestly, if you're only coming and getting the word on Sundays and you're intermittent fasting the rest of the week, spiritually speaking, you ain't gonna make it very far. You're not getting enough strength and supply to actually produce fruit. Plants need nutrients and ingredients to produce fruit and you need the word and you need prayer and you need time with other believers and you need a daily devotion time with God. We all need it. So as you dig in this week, 
passages I've already said, read them in full context and see what God says to you. What I'm trying to do is not just dictate you how it's supposed to look, I'm trying to build a better believer. One that knows how to get into their Bible and process it with the Spirit of God and then say, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going after. But if you wanna order it, here's how you order it. You simply ask in faith and humility. Luke 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, Jesus says, will he give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? And if he wanted an egg, in other words, if your kid's hungry, you're not gonna give him something detrimental. You're not gonna give him a scorpion. If you being evil, or what you could say there, being fallen, not being perfect, being fallen in this world, you're still trying to do your best, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that will order off the full menu? There's more. There's more. And some of you need to cleanse the palate before you get the next meal. Because you've been cynical, maybe judgmental, maybe you pushed back the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've cursed things that maybe God has actually blessed. And you might just need to get a cleansing moment. Years ago when I was a, when I was a youth pastor after Bible college, I, I was so good at being a youth pastor that no one hired me. They just used me. It's great. But I said, God, you can use me. And, uh, and, and he did. Uh, so I had all these random jobs. Random jobs. I sold chairs for a while. That was, that was awesome. And I was a waiter. Uh, then I became a manager, same restaurant. And to be a manager, you, like, you had to do every job. So I was go gonna become a general manager and like I had to do every job. And so like, like from ordering the food to like working in the warehouse to like cooking every dish to like working the front desk, working all sorts of stuff. And I remember though, they started me out as a dishwasher. Humility before honor. And I remember like, you gotta spray everything and clean everything off and then you put it in the machine. And I was like, hey, we can cut out A and still get to C. Let's just put it in B, this beautiful machine that's been created here to cleanse everything. But it doesn't work that way. You gotta scrape the plate. And for some of you, you need a cleansing when it comes to the things of God. For a vessel to be used for noble or special purposes, it says in 2 Timothy, keep yourself pure. And you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. It says in the house, in full context, that there's some things of gold and some things of silver and some things for everyday use. But it says, hey, you want to be used for something special. Keep yourself clean. Your life will be clean. And you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. And he wants to do some big, beautiful God work through your life. And we might just need a cleansing. As you ask for the Holy Spirit this week, I pray that you do it every morning and every night as you wake and when you go to bed. And then I ask you not just to pray a prayer, but also push into the scriptures, push into the passages that I've already been reading this today and see what God says to you. And I'll tell you this, there's one thing I know is I don't know how he always works. My friend from Bible college wanted the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, and labored for months. And then boom, one night, God just showed up in a special way. In Acts chapter two, we see that they get baptized and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized and led by the Holy Spirit. We know that he works in Cornelius' house when there's the preaching of the word. There was a spontaneous moment. We know in the upper room, it took 10 days of fasting and prayer. So I don't know what it's fully gonna take for you, but God's starting to say, will you follow me in a spirit of humility? 
and we maybe cleanse the palate and maybe we clear the plate a little bit and just kind of be hungry for me and see what I do and I'm gonna do it when I wanna do it and I'm gonna do it better than you would even know if you would follow me in the spirit of humility and faith. Can I pray for you to stay seated? Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're here and you're far from God, if you're here and you need a fresh start with him, Maybe you prayed the prayer of salvation before, but you know you've gone your own way and it's time to come back home to him. No one looking around, it's just between you and God. If that is you and you need a fresh start, you believe that God sent Jesus to save you, you want to receive that grace as a free gift. But no one looking around, it's just really you, God, but I'm just here as a witness. In the moment of humility, all I'm asking you is just to raise your hand in just a second and say, that's me, Pastor Kyle. What you're really doing is you're reaching out for the grace of God. If that's you, and you're ready for a brand new beginning with God's love and God's forgiveness, can you raise your hand? There's one up, there's two up, there's three up, there's four up, there's five up, there's six, there's seven, there's eight, there's nine, ten, eleven, there's twelve, there's thirteen, there's fourteen, I see you. There's more that I can't even count. You can put your hands down. I just want to say this to everyone, just lift your hand. We are rejoicing with you. All of heaven is rejoicing. Your son and daughter are returning home. This is no small thing. And what you just experienced is what I personally believe is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit. He's touched your heart and he's turned you back to the Father God that loves Can we open our eyes and lift up our heads? Can we pray a prayer together? Say this with me all together as one big family of faith. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. I was broken. I was lost. But you sent Jesus to heal me, to find me, to save me. I turn from my old life. From this day on, I'm going after Jesus. He's taken my sin. He's buried my shame. And I'm alive in him. Give me grace. Show me the way to go. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. And can we celebrate? Come on. Awesome. Awesome.